0: Welcome to another episode of the Getting Real with Hillary's show, where we say what can't be said, and the AAA for formula for freedom, which is awareness, acceptance, and action. And today, I am excited to be here with Asma Ayob. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Um, Asma holds a master's degree in Dramatic Art and a PhD in Literature and Philosophy. During her career, she has lectured at Mercy College, Fordham University and the State University of New York. Before moving to the US, she held a tenured position in the Department of Africans and Theory of Literature at the University of South Africa. She was the first South Asian woman to stage a play at the South African State Theater. Her background includes experience as founder and producer of developmental theater, playwright, screenwriter, and script consultant. She she has published both feature and academic articles on Bollywood cinema and the Indian diaspora. Her presentations at various international conferences have focused on transnationalism, representations of women in Bollywood films, post-colonial societies, and the impact of auteur theory on social awareness and change. So welcome, Asma, it's great to have you here. Thank you so much, Hilary. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. And so Asma has just published a book and can you just hold up the book so everyone can see it and also say the name of it? Sure, it's
1: Understanding Bollywood, A Calling. All right. And can
0: you just, I'm fascinated by why this book? What what had you write this book?
1: Well, I was uh, I was doing my thesis on Bollywood And while I was doing the thesis, I was traveling a lot. I was presenting, you know, papers. I was writing articles in line with my research. And I was quite surprised at the interest that this generated. And so I thought, you know, tone it down a little bit. Of course, with the thesis, it's very academic and high powered language. So I thought I need to make it accessible to more people So I decided that, you know, I needed to write this book. The other reason is that while I was doing my research, um, a rape happened uh, in India. And this was, you know, in the middle of my thesis while I'm still, uh, you know, in the process of putting everything together. And so this forced me to do more research because one of the main reasons was that uh, The press, the media, they all blamed Bollywood films for the increasing culture of rape in India. And I felt that this was something that really needed to be addressed because in my research, Bollywood was really, and I believe is, uh, a tool to understand society, to understand various cultural norms and practices. And so, you know, this is really how I, I was inspired to write this book. When did you come to the US?
0: Was, was that before your interest in Bollywood? Or like, how did you get interested in it? If, if you were here and if you weren't here, what fascinated you about that? I'm just interested.
1: Okay, well, I was uh, born, to give you a little background about this, Yeah, please. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a third generation of the Indian diaspora. Uh, I was born in South Africa. And can you just, I know, like,
0: when you say that, what actually, just so the audience understands, what does that mean you left
1: India and you went someplace else? No, what it means okay. is that my grandparents are from India, and my lineage is from India. But because of the partition that happened in India in the 1940s, my extended family started moving out of India in one of the places that people of India went to South Africa, some people went to England, some people went to the US, wherever they could find uh, a place to settle down. Uh, My family, of course, went to South Africa, which is how I was, you know, I came to be born there. But my father is a general surgeon. And so he, uh, he found work in the US when I was very young. And so we moved to New York. So I grew up in New York. Uh, For many years, I did a lot of my schooling there, so I was very much exposed to the culture in New York. And then we moved back to South Africa again, and then over the years, we've been traveling to and fro. So I have really been very uh, sort of influenced by both, both cultures, which are very diverse, I must tell you. You know, the culture in South Africa, the culture in New York... But um, I finished my PhD in 2015, and I've moved to the United States for good now with my family. And uh, this is where I felt that there was a niche and there was a need for me to tell the story because I'm also a college professor. Uh, I've taught Bollywood at the American universities. There's a lot of interest in it. And, uh, you know, it really opened up the eyes of my students. And so I, you know, this is what sort of motivated me to, to go on this, with this journey of mine. So what, what did you get your PhD in? Um, I got it in literature and philosophy.
0: Okay. And, uh, and how does, I'm still looking for the tie to, you know, you were, you went, you were born in. South Africa. South Africa, and then you came here. I know you're Indian by background, but what fascinated you and you were teaching about Bollywood? Like what part of that had you, like grabbed you?
1: I think it was the representations that these Bollywood films had in them. Uh, When I started my study, I wasn't aware of the amount of social issues that these films really addressed and dealt with, you know, uh, ongoing on an ongoing basis, and I think that's what caught my attention because growing up in New York and South Africa, uh, for an Indian woman, can be challenging, because you know, in South Africa we lived under apartheid, mm. so there was a lot of seg- racial segregation. Um, so I don't know if you know the comedian Trevor Noah, who's who's written a book called Born a Crime. Uh, mm-hmm. he was also born in South Africa, like myself. Um, he was classified as a person under the colored community. I was classified in South Africa as an Indian, but I'd never been to India. So right. what happened was one of the only connections I had to Bollywood, and I write about this in the beginning of my book, is that when I was growing up, uh, my grandmother, my le- who is late now, um, she didn't speak English at all. And so I would. I started off watching Bollywood films with her, and that's how I got introduced to this medium. Mm, okay. And that's how I learned the language as well, because back in those days, I'm talking about the 80s, there were no subtitles in these movies. <laughs> so and what was the language? What is the language? Language is Hindi. You know? Hindi. Okay. Hindi. So that's what your grandmother spoke was Hindi. Well, actually, not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> India has so many different dialects. There's hundreds of different dialects, and we are a, a small minority of people, and the dialect we speak at home is a language called Memon, uh, mm. it's M-E-M-O-N, and that's what I grew up speaking. But because it's very similar in parlance to the other languages in India, one of them being Hindi, uh, it was very easy for me to catch on because I knew this, this language that I grew up speaking. And it was also the only form of communication that I had that time with my grandparents, more so my grandmother and the other elderly people in our family. My great grandmother was alive as well. And, uh, you know, they only spoke Mammon and they spoke Hindi. They spoke a lot of the dialects of India. My father speaks Hindi, he speaks Gujarati, he speaks uh, Urdu, as does my mother. And, and they were in
0: South Africa. Your whole family was in South Africa. Your yeah. grandmother and Okay. okay. Yeah.
1: Anyway, so what happened so, is in 1985, I saw a film... I mean, I read Daniel Steele's book called The Promise. And uh, India or Bollywood made a movie called Ye Vada Raha, which means The Promise as well. You know, that we will keep this promise. And it was a it was sort of an adaptation of this book, and I think that was my first fascination, really, with Bollywood cinema. I was young; I was in my teen teenage years, and for me, it was really that okay. This is something that I need to look at now because, I mean, it's an adaptation of a book that I really understand. And uh, since then, and also, it was a way of bonding with my family. Yeah, you mean watching the movies? So what? Yeah. So what,
0: when you're watching, you're sitting there watching that movie and and something clicks for you, what was it because it was Daniel Steele and you knew it, or was there something about the Bollywood message or promise itself? Like what,
1: what what, was it that grabbed you? Go ahead. It was just that it was Daniel Steele's book. You know, that was my greatest fascination that, okay, this is a movie. It's a Hindi movie, but, um, it was very similar to the actual book, so it resonated with me. But then, as I started watching more movies, what resonated with me was um, identity, you know, trying to find your own identity in a world. I was born in South Africa, I had lived in New York. I was not accepted in South Africa because I was Indian, and Indians in those days were not allowed access to a lot of the Culture in South Africa. Like, we were not allowed to go to the theaters. Um, they, they were off limits to us. Only the white people could go to those places. And so I didn't fit in. They always felt like an outcast in South Africa. When I came to New York, I was not American. Uh, and then the New York perception of South Africa was very different to what it actually was. I mean, to people in America in those days and my friends at school, it was just a jungle, you know, with wild animals running free. And, you know, I had to actually answer those questions like, you know, do you live with the animals in the jungle and do you sleep on a bed and, you know, uh, silly things like that. And so I was searching for identity. And when I started watching more Bollywood, I found that that I connected because of the culture that I lived with in my home. Uh, it was very similar to what, what I was seeing on screen. And that was the biggest connection with me is to understand culture, understand identity, and understand my demeanor in the way that the reasons that I was the way I was uh, not South African, not American, not even fully Indian, but you know, negotiating and trying to find a sense of self. And I think that's what was my, my pull. So, was it the Indian? I and identity
0: from the Bollywood like because here you are in South Africa here you are in America is it that I mean obviously you couldn't be free in South Africa because you couldn't do all those things here as you said you when you got to New York yes. obviously you could do anything here but you yes. still
1: felt as an outsider I did because uh, American culture was different from the culture that I grew up with because of my family and because of the large amount of Indians that uh, migrated from India to South Africa. And because of the apartheid, what they had in those days in South Africa was a system of segregation called the Group Areas Act. Mm -hmm. And this meant that Indians stayed in a certain township, Uh, colored people had their own township, Uh, The Blacks had their own townships. So we were in a community, sort of in a bubble within South Africa. And within this community, we practiced a lot of Indian rituals. We practiced a lot of the traditions uh, because the elders had come to South Africa from India. I mean, they had kept this alive, you know, the clothing, the styles of dress, the food, uh, you know, everything that that you do in your day-to-day living. I mean, looking
0: at it now, you can see there were your
1: people, the other people, the groups.
0: Did you feel like you were in a bubble there? Or were you
1: just living, you know, you're a kid, you're growing up doing what you're doing. Like, did you feel it then? No, I. to be honest with you, I did not because, um, you know, you don't know better. You just right. what you have. You, you wake up, you go to school, you come home, you do your thing. Um, you socialize with your family and friends. You go... And then over the years, South Africa, of course, started opening up, you know, when, uh, when President Nelson Mandela was released from prison and then things started to change and, you know, everything opened up, uh, which is how I actually got into the state theater. Uh, and I became the first Indian woman to, uh, to produce and, you know, write and direct a play at the state theater where once my people were not allowed to even go and watch, watch a show, you know? So it was it was really huge for me, but this these realizations came afterwards, not not at the time. At the time I was just sort of going with the flow um, and just living as everybody yeah. else. You know, you don't know. Right. And so I know I asked you what your PhD was on.
0: What but I forget. What 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 did you so there you are, you produced the
1: show, you're you're in school in South Africa or yes. here? Okay. No. Well, I did my elementary schooling in America and then my uh, graduate and postgraduate uh, education was done in South Africa. Okay, so so what was the topic of your PhD? Well, My PhD was um, Beyond Appearances, Transnationalism, and the Representation of Women in Bollywood Films. Wow. That was the PhD. And so it sort of encompasses everything that... Uh, that you and I are talking about now. Yeah. But you got to write it really
0: about your life. You know, that was your life and what you were, you know, some PhDs aren't personal, but this seems like it was personal, very personal to you.
1: You Well, the funny thing is when I, when I started it, um, it wasn't personal. It was more um, coming out as a revelation as I, as I did more and more research. But um, then I did a lot of reading on the history of women in India and their challenges and, you know, what they were affected with and afflicted with over the years, especially, you know, in the past, although there are still women who live under these, uh, under these, in these societies, if I may say. And what is the biggest challenge for the women in India? to, To get away from being subjugated and molded and becoming attacked because of their gender. You know, gender is a big uh, a big issue when it comes to Indian women. You know, there's a lot of do's and don'ts for women. You can do this, you can't do that. Uh, they follow a strong, they live in a patriarchal culture. Hmm. Um, and this is really what... What came out when I was doing my research is that because of this patriarchy, Bollywood is always attacked when it comes to anything that happens in India because of the way that they represent their women. When we talk about this case specifically, one of the things that was was attacked Mm -hmm. was the way that they represented the song and dance sequences in Bollywood films. Mm And as I went deeper and deeper into research and I looked into that, I found that, you know, song and dance is really a very integral part of the Bollywood film, not only the Bollywood film, but uh, the culture of the Indian people. You know, they express themselves through song and dance. And this expression as modernity took over and as the world evolved and uh, everything became more open because of modernism, Bollywood, too, followed those trends. They started uh, taking from American videos, from other world cinemas, and they started adapting their song and dance sequences to fit in with the global world because Bollywood, of course, since 1991, has been a very strong a strong role player for the Indian diaspora, you know, globally. Um, they are exporting their films. the films are being sold out in the box, at the box office, and not only Indians, but people from all walks of life, all cultural backgrounds, all religions are going out and appreciating these firms. Uh, so, I needed to look into that and this was one of the criticisms that uh that was very strong during that period
0: so so women were subjugated they were at patriarchal they were kind of at a lower level bollywood comes yes they start making films so yes. people tell me where i get this wrong people around the world are fascinated by them is that because they're learning about indian culture is it just because they were good
1: stories? You know, like, what was the fascination? Um, initially, uh, and I've spoken to a lot of people, my students and uh, yeah. other people that I've spoken to as I've been doing my research, and I find that the fascination is, first of all, it's with the uh, the storylines that are also adapting now, okay, which are not exclusive to the Indian experience. Okay. Speak to the experience of the Indian diaspora. And one of the reasons why they are very popular with the Indian diaspora is because they address the real life challenges that these people mm. are. And so it's almost a cathartic effect. Yes. Okay. You know, everybody that I've spoken to has experienced some sort of catharsis on on various levels. When they watch these films, and it also helps them understand um, why they are the way they are. And of course, you know, as new generations come along, there's a need to to change a little bit of the old ways sometimes. So, with with the research that's been done, I found that so many scholars have commented on. This relationship that audiences develop, and I'm talking right now, but the, about the Indian diaspora, yeah. Yeah. The relationship that they develop with these films, and the storylines, and the fact that the films are actually being set in India and other continents outside of India, so it sort of helps the Indian diaspora to find identification with. Uh, with these films and with the characters in these films, as well as the storylines, because they're dealing with the, with you know, with themes like displacement, alienation, uh, sense of belonging, mm-hmm. trying to find uh, a place for yourself in a foreign land, and then what happens at that point is that everything starts to merge. You know, there's a fusion. There's a fusion of culture, of identity, of various different issues you know, in day-to-day living. Yeah. And this is why these uh, Indian diaspora are very, very attracted to this, this Bollywood cinema. When I talk about non-Indian people, uh, I've been told by many non-Indian people that they are learning a lot about the culture of the Indian people through these films. Um, the other aspect that they really enjoy is the song and dance sequences mm-hmm. because they are very colorful. Mm-hmm. And uh, the newer films, and I call these the films that are made for the Indian diaspora, and this is what I address in my book, there are three films that were made by auto director director uh, by the name of Karan Johar.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he's a new age filmmaker who's made these films specifically for the diaspora. And not only did they do well with the dias- Indian diaspora, they did well across the globe. You know, So these Indian actors are now traveling to you know, various continents all over the world to promote their films. And they've got a fan base and a following. And one of the actors that he use- uses in these three specific films that I've uh, analyzed in my book, as well as in my PhD. Uh-huh. Uh, he's used an actor by the name of Shah Rukh Khan, and he's really a global actor, he's one of the uh, most popular actors in the world. He's become, wow. you know, over the years, he's done a, an interview with David Letterman recently. And, uh, you know, he's got like a fan following of billions of fans. Wow, And so I really, because it's very current, you know, even though my, um, my research is steeped in the past, it speaks to the cultural challenges, the religious, the historical challenges that women have faced in India. They are still facing challenges. Mm-hmm. But um, those who are leaving India are finding new ways of living and adapting. And I find the cinema is sort of a conduit. Mm-hmm. It bridges that gap, you know, it fills that empty space. I love that. That's really cool. Um, just to tie one thing
0: back, when you said the rape, yes, uh, was the ca- catalyst for you to write the book? Is that what, it, you said something about the, you were, you know, you were doing what you were doing and then all of a sudden you said, okay, now I have to do this. What about that? Because, okay. Because they were blaming Bollywood, or because,
1: like, tell okay. me about that. Okay, well, I was I was busy with my p. This is nothing to do with the book. This is way before the book. So this was during um, the time or the period that I was doing my PhD. And while I was doing my study, I did the analysis and everything. And then this this rape happened. Um, it was very tragic. Um, And it became a global conversation because it was so heinous and I won't get into the details of it now but it was a young young woman and you know she passed away sadly but what happened is when this happened and everybody took to the streets there was a lot of international dialogue happening and I felt that since I was doing the study on Bollywood cinema, I had done all the analysis, and I understood where the criticism was coming for, from, because this is not the first time that Bollywood—this was not the first time that Bollywood films were attacked uh, for being um, for for inciting, uh, you know, sexual predators to come and do whatever it is that they wanted to do. They've always been lambasted. For their song and dance sequence being too modern and, you know, inviting the male gaze, you know, which is a, which is a topic that is very familiar to um, film scholars everywhere. The male gaze, and this was one of the things that that Bollywood was being attacked for. I had a whole chapter on the male gaze in my PhD. I have referenced it in the book as well because I feel it is so crucial to my discussion and my research. And so I went and I, I did some more research. And what I found was that Bollywood is always being attacked and criticized. But and a lot of the actresses and activists from all over the world started speaking up and posting their views online. Um, CNN did a talk show as well on this with one of the actresses, uh, Shabana Azmi and uh, what really came to light which was very similar to what i had addressed in my in the history of women in india was that this is a patriarchal society and if you do not understand that women have rights and if you don't you know you just don't get it at the stage then you can't keep on blaming representations on screen for everything that is going wrong in society And that was what I came out with, that yes, it is a problem, but it's not only a problem in India. I mean, rape is something that happens everywhere and you can't just blame the representations on screen for this, for these acts. It seems like
0: horrible to say there will be rapes. Yes. To blame the screen. Yes. I mean, do you think that it makes it worse
1: well, there or, were, you know, I don't know. It's really uh, it's not black and white. It's a gray oh, yeah. area. Um, but yes, in my book, and I and I deal with this in my book because this happened after I'd done my thesis already, and while I was writing my book, there were a lot of interviews that were given by Bollywood filmmakers. Mm-hmm. And especially important for me was Karan Johar gave an interview in Davos in Switzerland. And uh, he said that yes, he was not aware of the influence that Bollywood had and the sway that it had over people. And he said that yes, if there is something that they have done where they can sort of, you know, pull it back a little bit, then they will do so now that they are aware of it. And so that was, you know, that is me just reporting what happened Uh, in conversations after this incident
0: happened. You know, I go to the gym here, and I see young girls wearing things that, you know, well, they didn't exist when I was young, but we, it was like, you know, in the old days, um, you know, someone would say, well, if you were attacked for wearing that, it was your own fault, you know? You were asking for it. Exactly. And now when I see these young girls, it's just what they do. And you know, I've actually had fights with my daughter about it because she that's how she dresses. And so it's interesting, you know, if you compare the movies and what they're showing there, and maybe this suggests moves or whatever, you know, to, I guess I you know, not to take it away from your book, but it's, it's sort of sort of just making me think like, you know. In my day, they would have said you asked for it. Yes, it's I... almost your own fault if you were attacked. Yes. Now,
1: they're not worried about that. But you know, any anything you think about that or it's. Uh, I find it interesting that you say that. You know, because yes, that is a conversation that I've had too with many people. Exactly what you're saying, and uh, I know feminists would take a strong stance against this. They don't ever say that a woman asked for it. And I understand that, but I too grew up in a society and in a time when I was told you have to dress modestly, otherwise you are asking for it. I, so I, I identify with you there, um, and I understand also the criticism because some of these song and dance sequences in Bollywood films um, they are called item numbers, you know, and an item number is a specific song and dance sequence that steps away from the traditional song and dance sequences where singing and dancing and expression is, is a communal affair. You know, it's a communal affair between family, friends, relatives, even the community. And that was what uh, is one of the, uh, the highlights of Bollywood films, is these specific song and dance sequences. But when you take the item number, it's one heroine uh, being followed by the camera and the emphasis is on her on her body. So, yes, there is a strong so, case. So you know. it's
0: sexual. It becomes sexual. Yes, it does. As opposed does. to family. So that's the difference. That's the difference, yes. And that's what they're saying is causing the rapes and that stuff. But that is so different from you know, where we started with the patriarchal culture where women were, you know, told what they could do. So, I mean, it's got to be shaken up that
1: society in a big way, right? I mean. definitely, definitely it is. Um, And this is the ongoing uh, conversation, you know, is that there's patriarchy, yes. uh, Patriarchy needs to make way for a little bit of freedom of expression Mm -hmm. for those who have been Suppressed and subjugated under it in a negative way, um, but in my study I've also dealt with and I deal with this in the book as well. Yeah, there's another side of patriarchy, and this side of patriarchy is very prevalent in the Indian culture. And I don't know if you would, if you would call it patriarchy as such, but it follows. The sort of tenets of patriarchy in that the male is the leader of the family, the boss, the leader. But within Indian culture, this male has to be fair to everybody in the family. And I know I've spoken to a lot of Indian women during my research, you know, and there are some women who have said to me that, you know, you call it patriarchy. But I grew up with a man, I married this man, he looked after me all my life, he's looked after our kids. Um, We do, we live according to the rules of our family, whatever they may be, and we are happy where we are. There's no subjugation, you know, so but this patriarchy gets, that gets conflated with the patriarchy where there's negativity, where women are forced to do things, where they're not allowed freedom of expression. So there's many sides to that as well, and I mean we can talk about this. I mean this. Yeah, no, it's very. You're right. So it's not all a bad thing.
0: There are some people who love it, and then maybe there are some people who, you know.
1: Depends. I like what I gathered from my discussion with with various women. or mm-hmm. my discussions is that you know those that were allowed to thrive under this patriarchy, and for them all it meant was that they husband or their, if he's, if their daughters in the household, that their father will look after them, no matter what, you know, they're not forced to go out and earn a living. They have all their needs will be provided for. And they don't see that as, and that is not a negative thing. I mean, there is something that's lovely, you know, but then you have other families where they use this patriarchy in a negative way and they use it to rule with an iron fist and, uh, and you know it just it it doesn't work understandably so
0: yeah and I, as you're talking i'm thinking you know what here in america where i was born there are families that work yes and there are families that don't work you know and so it's interesting it's different society different rules
1: but you know you could probably find all kinds here too you know yeah, and that's that's one of the things that I feel my book is, you know, it looks at things from a very broad lens. Um, and I feel there's a certain universal quality. Yeah. To, to various issues that I raise and I discuss in the book. Mm-hmm. I feel that it's not really restricted to any one group of people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah, if I may go off on a tangent here. Um, Please. You know, I found <laughs> I found that when I showed these films to my students, you know, I showed them various films. Uh, I did a course called Film History and Trauma. And in that course, I did, uh, I focused on films that just dealt with traumatic experiences. And then I did another course called Global Bollywood Cinema. And in there, I looked at Various different types of films, not only films that uh, showcase trauma, and I found my students, you know, um, identifying with these films. There's one film in particular. Um, it's called uh, Bajrangibaijan. Bhaichan. It's a film about the trauma that happened when India and Pakistan, you know. When, when India separated into India and Pakistan and the Muslims went to Pakistan and the Hindus remained in India. Whoever could stay, stayed. There was a lot of carnage, you know, it was war. And this film is set sometime after that. And there was a lot of uh, heartache in that film, but it was also a very delightful journey of a little girl And my students who had come to the U.S. from Mexico were in tears when they watched that film because they understood what it felt like crossing borders, being stranded. And this is what happens in this film. You know, a little girl crosses the border and because of of partition, there are so many um, restrictions on her movement and on her religion and and so I feel that these films are really now appealing to universal audiences and and creating connection with uh, with people in various you know stages of their lives. You know this thing about belonging, where
0: you said you were in South Africa, you you know did you you know belonging, and then coming here, and what I found is nobody thinks they belong. <laughs> Okay. You know, like everyone has some version of not belong. It seems everyone has some version of not belonging and it's, you know, it's a whole nother topic. And now I'm going to go off on a tangent, but it's so interesting to hear you say that. And that this is what people are, you know, that everyone feels they don't belong, even if they were born here, they're, you know, it's just, it's amazing. Right. That that's our um, default and that, you know, one of my things is, you know, that people are free to create lives they love and to really get their greatness and that we all belong to this world community, that we're not actually separate. Um, yeah. That is what, yeah, that is that is so well said, you know? Yeah. And that we do belong, but it's not in our minds. In our minds, no one belongs. You know, you don't belong because of that and I don't belong because of this and I was the second girl, you know, whatever. And so, you know, I love what you're doing, and I mean, I I think we could probably talk for hours, but um, I just want to thank you for doing that work, and, um, you know, we can always talk again, I, I think, it, I, I find it fascinating, I hope the audience finds it fascinating, just, you know, that you you know, took your interest and did the research and took it here and wherever it's going. And, and that just like you said that the films, you know, make a difference for the diaspora, you know, that it's cathartic and that they're getting something out of it so that they can heal and, and feel that they're not alone, you know, and that the work that you're doing is going to make a huge difference in people belonging and understanding different cultures and all that it's not, it's not simple issues. Right. So, but yeah, but I just, thank you. And I want to promote your book again. Um, I got it here. Okay. Understanding Bollywood, a calling by asthma. How do you say your last name? Ayub. 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 And it's an A-Y-O-B asthma is A-S-M-A and it's available at cambridgescholars.com. Yes. Yes okay and we're gonna have a link to it in the notes and if you buy it i don't know when soon yes in the near future there if you put in promo 25 you get a 25 percent discount is that yes and i will put that in the notes as well so that you know you can take advantage of that i think the book is fascinating i i can't wait to read it myself and um and I'm gonna use that promo code too. So so thank you. And it I I think it's in pounds, right? Because
1: Yes, it's in pounds. <laughs> <laughs> which I never know how to translate. But they uh they, they have a very uh, easy system when you go on the website, you know, you can okay. dollars and you can just put your credit card in and it you okay, know. good, okay. So okay.
0: cambridgescholars.com. Yes, asthma a y'all, yope, hey you yes, and uh it's again called understanding bollywood a calling so thank you so much is there anything else you want to say before we
1: close i want to say thank you for having me um i really appreciate it and uh, it was really a pleasure talking to you thank you and
0: and i enjoyed it too i mean i i think i could ask you questions all day right so so thank you thank you so much <laughs>